Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This is a really special podcast today because we actually got to sit down and interview one of our golfing heroes, Sir Nick Faldo. A couple of weeks ago we got asked um, if we wanted to go down to Wentworth and do some content with Sir Nick. So we went down there, did a YouTube video with him and then had a sit down with him for about 50 minutes where we uh, we interviewed him and talked about his career and his golf. I mean, look, Sir Nick Faldo is just, he's a legend of the game. I think it's the first real legend that we've actually managed to sort of sit down with and uh, interview. He's had an incredible career. He's had 41 professional wins, including 30 victories on the European Tour, six majors. These were three Open Championships and three Masters Championships. So it was a real pleasure to finally actually get to meet Cynic for the first time, which was uh, which was amazing, really. A really nice guy, plenty to say and uh, plenty to share as well. So this podcast is, um, it was a little bit selfish, actually, because there were so many questions in there that just we wanted to know. But we know a lot of these questions really are going to help you and give you an insight into to what it takes to be one of the best players in the world and certainly world number one for a, a number of weeks um, and his work ethic and some of the things that he went through. And in this podcast, we really go into a lot of the details of that, the swing changes that he made with David Ledbetter, what his golf was like growing up, how many golf balls that he hit. At one point, he said he was hitting 1,500 golf balls a day. We talk about his relationship with Seve, some of the things that he did when he was under pressure in order to sort of really dial it and enable him to perform. There was so much content in this that I think is just a great insight to really one of the best golfers of all time that we've seen, certainly from the, from England as well. So I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. We love doing this. We could have carried on for another three hours. Um, so let us know your thoughts. If you're listening to this, screenshot this and tag this tag us in on Instagram and tag in Sir Nick. That would be great. Give us your feedback on this as well. So without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Sir Nick Faldo. Okay, Sir Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. How are sure. you? I'm good. I'm very good, thanks. Good, good, good. So um, look, you are a, a legend, an idol of myself and Andy's. So we loved your golf. Obviously, we're growing up just playing the game. Nick Faldo, yeah, amazing. So you're our idol. Who was yours? Bjorn Borg. Bjorn Borg. Yeah, first wow. one was Bjorn Borg. You know, I watched him. And, um, you know, I just loved his kind of mental state he was in. I didn't know anything about it, but you, you studied his concentration and that sort of thing. I later learned that, you know, all the tricks he had, how, you know, if he didn't like a line call or anything, he would just spin the racket and that would reset him back in the mode. I then later learned that he was, had the mental ability and physical ability to, to practice in the fifth set. So he would put he put his mind and body in the fifth set, even when he was practicing, which is a bit like golf. You know, it's a bit like anything like the fourth quarter. We have our fourth round. Is mm -hmm. it? If you are mentally that strong, so that's why probably when he came out first set, they're all going, "Oh, miserable bugger," because he's you know he's deep into <laughs> it. But by the fifth set, when the other guys all twitched up, mm, he's, he's like, oh, "I've been here before, a thousand and one times." What was his nickname? Was he the Iceman or something like well, that? Well, something just, like you know. So I that was the first. I finally met him. Uh, it's funny he played a he played an exhibition with McEnroe at Buckingham Palace, and then I okay. finally met him like and told him that story, which was quite cool. I think he gave me a free pair of underpants, <laughs> yeah, Borg underpants for that, something like that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty talented, wasn't he, obviously? Yeah. I mean, obviously, 
you had an amazing career. I mean, six major championships, which is, and I remember I was reading something when I was first starting that I think it was a golf world thing. I think Seve and Nick Price were in there and talking about majors. And for you, you know, you, you could tell reading the article how much, how important the majors were yeah. to you. But as far as having a successful career on tour where you are make, winning majors, what does it, it's a really weird question this Andy, I think, but okay. what, what does it take to do that? What, what does, does it, it take? What does it take? What does it take for you? Well, the, for me, I mean, I guess the real, I mean, the bottom line is you've got to have, you've got to have nerve to, on a Sunday afternoon, to be able to operate. Number one, you've got to be operate around the bag without getting in a pickle. Um, and then for some people, that's hard enough, you know, making decisions and what have you. Um, but then it's because I guess I beat millions of golf balls and you've developed trust. You know, and I, I, was, I kept it really simple, like, you know, you, you practice and you go and compete and you learn from it and you go and practice again. That was my circle. Okay. And, it, and I don't, I'd love psychologists to tell you, and then suddenly somewhere in that circle, there becomes a little bit of trust that after the practice, you kind of know that how you're going to play or how you can play, then you get your feedback. And I guess that's, that's the self-belief, trust, whatever you want to call it. Um, confidence would it mm. and I think that's what you build up so basically you know what to do and, and what it's going to feel like so when you get in the battle in the deep bit on a Sunday afternoon you know how the body is going to feel because you know you, your stomachs are, is you know and your arms will feel different your legs will feel you know, everything and can you ramp up so what I could describe you know you imagine all your volume controls are suddenly gone to not quite max because you like you 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 still want to be in control of things. If everything's running at max, you'll be like head off, wouldn't you? Yeah. But if you're yeah. like everything's going at ninety percent or something, you, again you got to find your own intensity level. It's like how does my mind work? How is my body going to work? How's my swing going to work? And hey, you put all that together. I mean, and then you obviously you throw in. Uh, desire and determination. I mean, that's important. I mean, and and you and I didn't fear winning. That's another mental hurd hurdle for how, me. How do you go about that? I, mean, I don't. I don't know that one because you know Annika's the best example. You know, she as a, a young girl would intentionally lose a tournament because she they then found out she didn't like making a speech. Wow. So she would sabotage the tournament. So she didn't. So they said, well, we'll teach you how to make a speech, and then oh, set me <laughs> free. Mm -hmm. So. Um, you know, I think it's that desire, it's the desire to win, because you, um, you know, I talked, I've talked about this a lot when I said, well, when we came from my era, 70s and 80s, to change our lifestyle, you had to win. Mm. I mean, if you wanted, the first thing you wanted, well, I can tell you, the first thing I wanted was to turn left on a plane, absolutely. You know, once you've been down the back and thrown up a few times, <laughs> I, remember, I remember some flight in a storm, somewhere and you're throwing it oh my god so I said I want to sit in the front so you need a bit more money to buy a first-class ticket next thing is you want a, a car don't you want the we wanted the big Mercedes to drive around <laughs> well that was a 18 grand car well first prize is biggest first prize was 10 so work it out I've got to have a couple of wins to get the big Mercedes then you want to live here in Wentworth you were you know I lived off the estate first well I had to have a had to have more than a few wins. Had to be. You Is know, that about fifteen grand for that house? <laughs> a little bit more than that. Yeah, right. So you've got, you know, I won five tournaments in 1983. Five for a hundred grand. I was the first one to break a hundred thousand pounds. Wow. Right. So, um, so you know, to change your lifestyle, you had to win. 
and I know Seve would agree with me on that one at that time, and that was that's what changed us. Um, you know, that's very different now. You know, you you we don't need to go to that anyway. <laughs> very different now. Um, so you put all of that together, and I and you you've got to enjoy winning. You've got to be comfortable. I mean, I think that's what happens. You you know, I held myself back. I was winning one a year, and then I finally broke through. I want to be a multiple winner, and I finally started being a multiple winner. And then you—that's it. And then I, now, then I wanted to win a major. Obviously, I, um, I had my first really good showing at St Andrews in '78. I ran four shots behind Jack, and I left there. And I thought, okay, I, I, I can win an open. I can. I know I can win an open one day. Well, that took me nine more years because, and the swing change and everything. So you know, the little voice said. In the end of 84, I said, you ain't good enough, mate. And I went off and rebuilt it. Literally thought, well, what have I got? And, you know, with the knowledge we had then, which was pretty ludicrous. Yeah, early summer of 85, I started my swing change mid-season, you know, in hindsight, crazy. You know, and I'm learning a new backswing with uh, old follow-through. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> and so um, I, everything went down big. And I, you know, those were the dark days. And I somehow clawed my way through that. And then when I came out the other side, I was kind of like ready for, ready for Muirfield. When I went to Muirfield, I believed that, you know, you kind of feel or sense something, you know, I'm good enough to win. Uh, you know, we played at Glen Eagles a week before. It was a real, real, pra it's like practicing for the Open. You know, every time I had a six iron, I'd grab a five iron and hit soft shots and this sort of thing. So when I went to Muirfield that time, I, I felt, I felt good, I felt I had a chance. And then you get into it and you start visualizing winning it. And that's how I came out of that one. So it's, you know, it's your own personal drive and determination and guts, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you've got to have, you've got to have the nerve in your hands to, to crunch that five iron yeah. when you've just got to hit it, you know. As much as you said about changing your goal swing, there's a lot of other things around just changing your goal swing. That oh, need yeah, to make it I mean, happen. but we know so much more now, which is, you know, again, we were, we were in the exploratory phase of all of this. We didn't understand the, the physical side mm -hmm. or anything. And to, you know, to think how many golf balls I hit, that I didn't really wreck something here. Mm -hmm. I mean, my arms got really hot. I mean, I had to rest my arms in 1990, early 1990. I would, these were just cooking from, you know, beating the ground and what have you. Um, How many balls would you hit in a day when you were going through like the change? 1,500. 1,500 a day. Yeah, that's five of the big buckets. Yeah, yeah. In, until you can't close your finger. Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, oh. Actually, you know, you know how my practice swings really hurt, isn't it? You can't even make a practice swing. Oh. And then you'd keep hitting. And I'd go off and have a swim. I remember that. I'd go and have a swim and like, okay, have a bit of a relax and this sort of thing. And like a lunatic, I'd come back at <laughs> come 6, back. 6.30 and <laughs> whack some more again. So it was, it was brutal. And... And I'm glad people didn't watch. Again, I'm, I wouldn't have wanted the spotlight because when you're changing your swing, you clank it badly yeah, for a yeah. while. Mm. You know, you stand up and hit some really awful shots because you're trying to get a new body in a new position. You know, we know so much, way more now how to, to do that. I do it completely differently. I'm, I'm, I swear you could take your team to, I'd go to some tropical island with a mind, body, mm. swing coach, 
and and would you yeah. do less would you do hit less balls yeah you, i'm sure you would because we understand so much more yeah, yeah you would the, the old-fashioned way a big golf ball yeah. you know like <coughs> yeah. you'd be the answer's in the dirt yeah, yeah yeah now the answer is in the gym as much to get the body in the right mm -hmm. positions so how it's going to move we we understand that so much we understand the mind and how you can you know flush out the past and repaint your new pictures and that sort of thing have some um you still have to hit plenty of balls, I think, to yeah. just get that final bit of trust. I mean, that's that was, that's what you've got to do, and obviously you've got to do, as we know, you've got to do every blimmin' department from driver to putter. Because if you miss, that's this cruel game. While you're working at one end, you're neglecting <laughs> yeah. the other end. It's you know, so it's, it's tough to get that balance. Um, what was your biggest strength like when you? What do you believe that your biggest strength, what strength was as a golfer? The biggest strength was the, the ability to, um, you know, slow things down when when you're in the heat of battle and in I did that in yeah mind. mind well you started with an intentional thing with the mind was like okay how do you slow your breathing down and then you slow things down then you learn to swing slower because as an amateur so I started doing that you know Ian Connolly said to me you know how did these these biathlons you know obviously you're skate you're not skate you're skiing mm. they must be running at 180 200 on their heartbeat then you've got to shoot and you can't, <laughs> you can't be doing that okay so you've got to instantly go boom she says somehow they stay so i go hmm, okay so i go down to the range and try and get myself in a tiz and then go right how do i slow it down well the simplest way was to you know learn to breathe slow i taught myself breathing slower deeper before you read about you know it's a um, huge meditation. thing now that is, isn't it it's yeah you've thing. got to like, when people say you've got to learn to breathe they say you idiot of course you're breathing but no you've got to learn how to breathe as an athlete down here I mean, if I do it now, then of course your voice will go down and I've calmed down instantly. So that's what I was able to, and I would swing slower and I would practice. My range, my, my range was a half a hole at Welling Garden. I had a, an area, I had a green and a bunker and a flag. And I, was, and I could swing in slow motion here, two iron, a little mini two iron from like 160 yards. It would be, you know, and collect it full swing. And this thing would, so when I was under pressure, or when, I, when the members, as an amateur, when the members came around you, you thought, oh, I must be leading now. <laughs> so it was like, now I would knock it down a notch. So I was really good at knocking it down a notch or two. So fast forward to opens, I realized everybody gets hyped up. They want brand new shoes and everything's new outfits. And I thought, why? I said, why am I? I want to knock the open down two notches because mm. sure I'm excited it's the open but if I can come back it down mm. rather than you know so that's another thing I kind of think I learned to do is like okay I'm, I'm all prepared which is another important thing isn't it preparation is huge if you believe you're prepared you can look down the fairway and you know what to do or how to do it yeah if you look right. down the fairway and go left rough right rough Left, rough, right, right. <laughs> You're in deep trouble, aren't you? But if you look down the floor, you go, all right, left bunker, bit of a fade, love that. Know what to do, off you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, really. You, you, let's say you're teeing off in the open, first tee shot. Yeah. Would you, that's generally where a lot of the sort of the feelings. Oh, sure. Would you, would you purposely slow things down off that well, first tee shot? Well, it would all be shot? rehearsed. It'd be like that, like you know exactly what you're going to do. So say, I um, mean, obviously, Muirfield was that bunker down the left, so I know I want to fade it off that. You know, you pick your favourite shot, obviously. You don't set it on the tee and go, that's another important thing to do is hit the shot you know you can hit. And that's a great word, no. If you yeah, know yeah. you can do something, you feel good. But if you're not sure you can do something, you get nervous, mm. obviously. Yeah. So it's like, OK, I know I can do that. And that would be rehearsed on the range, you know, and I, was, and I would do 
God, I wish I could hit drive. I could hit the old persimmon driver off the deck, you know. And that, that's a good confidence boost. You, you nail up six of them before you go. You know you can pick a ball off. Anything. Would you do that in a warm-up as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So because that's your confidence boost. If mm. I know I'm centered and level, if I'm good enough to pick a driver off the deck on a Saturday or Sunday morning, mm. well, you're feeling it on the range. I can yeah, promise yeah. you. So then you walk on the tee and you go, well, I'm going to do this and. In and off you go. You shape it down there, and then it happens. You're straight into it. Then you, what am I going to do on the next shot? And you know, I had that. I taught myself again visualization. You had to be able to stand back and see a ball fly. And I then I could even see myself standing there as a as a ghost. I call it now. So I could stand up and see my shoulders turn and the club go because if I wanted the ball to shape, so I could see myself. And then I so I've really felt it. That's the other great thing, because, you know, Semi was good at that. He says, you have to feel it in your body, not just your hands. Because you know how he's always, mm. people say he felt it in his hands. He said, no, you feel it in your body as well. And I thought, it's taking up a notch again, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, once you can see it and feel it, and you then have the belief that you've done it a million times, then you, you stand up and nail it. I mean, that's... That's, and you've just got to keep, and then the other discipline is, can you keep churning that out all day long? And I, and I could, you know, at my best, I had that mental strength. You know, rightly or wrongly, I could, I like to stay in golfing mode for the day. Um, you know, other psychologists would say, oh, you've got to bounce off and do the purple monkey technique and think <laughs> of something. <laughs> yeah. No, I used to, you know, sometimes Fanny would be talking about something. I said, no, I'd say, no, I'm all right, let's talk golf. And I like to stay back in, so I like to stay in that, being in the golfing mode all day long. Um, and that's, that's how I used to do it, I guess. Well, when would you say, was, did you think you played your best? When were you at your, your, like your peak, yeah, your best? Yeah, the, well, the irons were great. 1990 I came <clears> out, and my irons were great at the Masters. You know, I didn't, I hardly hit one left or right. Because, you know, when a pro gets really good, it's, distance control yeah you shouldn't really shouldn't really be pulling and pushing it's like getting over bunkers landing it stopping it that's all you're trying to do and the my iron shots 1990 masters were really good and um, you know we I mean back in that era crumbs we were hitting um, we'd be hitting two hours to the fifth and things mm -hmm. like that slightly different to now and then and then I went to the US Open and my driver was terrible for some reason I went with one eye nearly all week and you know it's another another lesson you go with what you've got I mean if that's what you got yeah. you go with it and then I came to St Andrews and I was really on a mission because you know I, I got really close to that open US Open and I went to St Andrews 90 on really on a mission and that was you know we hit it in one bunker all week you know on the final day um, I don't remember missing the green um, inten I only green I missed was 17 that was intentionally <laughs> you know we would yeah. go sometimes we would go way left yeah we actually would go three iron towards the 18th tee to come in backwards because you were playing 17 to like if I have to I'll take a five because I don't want to take an eight it's basically so flag so, was back flag was yeah back they, you know how they put it they tuck it they put left. it right round behind the road hole bunker yeah. like left of the road hole bunker yeah. so there's no point going there you're, no. you're 40 yards <laughs> yeah. if you're on the green you've still got a 40 yeah, yard yeah. putt so you might as well come around the back you know we used to sneak it did that a couple of times so yeah, that was the only time you're quite happy taking a bogey was at the but you know my 
iron play that week, I mean, I was hitting, there was a couple of iron shots, you know, standing on, a, on one leg, hitting six irons to two feet sort of thing. So, so that era was great. But then, you know, as, as I was demonstrating, you know, when I got to 92 at Muirfield, which again, it was, that's not a, that didn't work, I didn't work on that five minutes before. I worked on that the season before to start this shot making of, you know, the fades and the draws and the wings and the, all that. And so, and once I got that really going, um, gosh, that, so my philosophy was, you know, if, if they tuck the pin around the corner and the best that everybody else can do is 25 feet, if I can get it to 15 feet, my percentage is way better. So if I'm good enough to tip it around the corners, so that's all I try to do. It didn't have to get crazy, but just turn it into the corners. And with any club, with any club, and that's that's a big difference, you mm. know. And so I was able to do that for a while. And then once I, that clicked, when I won the Open, um, you know, I then won a tournament. Good in those days. I won a tournament every one every month the next six months not quite tiger stuff one every week <laughs> pretty good but well, yeah it was good there. it was good then it, so um uh so for a while you feel like yeah you've got you can control a golf ball which is pretty so darn good you mentioned irons a lot is that where yeah. is that for you if your irons yeah. were on you were on you well were i win, i or? yeah i had the attitude it's funny, so funny i said well my goal was hit the fairway mm -hmm. right and so that just meant get it on the fairway so i was never looking to hit it miles just get it on the fairway so whether that took get it and then go from there so i was quite happy if the only way to hit the fairway was to hit a one iron i've got a three iron into the green okay mm. i wasn't i wasn't the guy even though i played with sevy like sevy was no way i hit driver down there in the rough and i've only got an eight iron okay but that wasn't me i'm rather be back hitting the five iron off the face so that was my kind of my approach so yeah and Obviously, in practice, I've hit millions of irons. So you get the descending blow, and that's why I've never, I was never great at a driver. You know, I could never hit a driver on the up. It was always squashy. It was some kind of squashy thing. We're back in that time, when you look at, we had a, as you know, a persimmon driver with six degrees of bulge and roll. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's and hilarious. And a torbalata. It's, it's hilarious. There's more loft on this chair. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know, you look at this thing now and you go, what the heck? You just see a sliver of face. It's like a pencil line of face. And you go, well, and it's this big. And you think, well, that's what we used to use. So um, we were we were a hell of a ball strikers. You mm. can't, they never take that away from us. I, I have to say we were better ball strikers because we yeah. had to, we were, that no was a, our sweet sort was a size of a pea. <laughs> like a training now, aid. <laughs> you know, it's completely different. So, um, um, so that was my goal, get it on the fairway. And then obviously I, I had this, I could crunch an iron, a strike an iron as, well, some said as good as anybody. So that's pretty mm. nice. Nice. Hi everyone, Andy here. Just letting you know about something that we've created just for you. MeAndMyGolf.com is our membership platform that we believe is the best resource out there to improve your golf. And one of the questions that we get asked all the time is what's the difference between YouTube and the website? And the main difference being is that sometimes people can get lost in content on YouTube and not really having a clear structure or plan of where to go. So we wanted to create something that was, was really going to help golfers. We've got over a thousand uh, coaching videos on there, but our main thing or main feature on there are the coaching plans and we've seen some amazing results from these plans and these are basically carefully designed plans on all areas of the game so you don't have to think or worry about what to do 
We tell you exactly what to practice each week and whether you're looking to break a certain score, fix a slice, improve your putting or short game, we have a plan that will suit you. We're even staggered at some of the results that golfers are getting from these as well and we even have a private Facebook group where all of our members go and share experiences and support each other. Real nice place, positive place to be. And we'd love to see you over there and have the chance to help you with your game. So make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com and check out your free trial with no obligations to join. Check it out and see if you can find a plan and become a part of this amazing community. You made you mentioned Seve a couple of times. How was your relationship with Seve and what did, what did you sort of, what did you learn from him? Did he, what did he impart on you? We, we, we were true competitors all those years. So we would, we would stand and practice with, and watch each other you know, when we'd start the new, it's so funny, when you started the new year, you hadn't seen the guys for six months, you yeah. know, and the, the season finished before, not like now, you know, we would go off around the world and I'd see Seve, I remember, you know, we'd be in France or Spain in early March or something, and he'd been working on something, so we'd chat and watch each other, and, and we actually played more practice rounds together than I really remembered, you know, so we kind of, but you're always watching each other, you're on, you're on guard almost, you know, I'm not going to, give you any secrets, I'm not going to help you out, but it's like, and, um, you know, obviously competing against him, he was, he was the man, he was already uh, a little ahead of me, obviously in every way, and winning on, in Europe and that sort of thing, so you chased him hard, and it would, but it was then great, because he broke the ground at Augusta, Yeah. you know, we suddenly, because you know, we, we had nothing like that in Europe, that style of golf course, so how are we ever how Europe dominated for that while was amazing. It's not like you can prepare anyway. You come to Augusta and go on those greens, it's like, whoa. Just belief, is it? Like the Roger Bannister effect? You know, someone, A little bit. It's like, it well, if, yeah, if somebody can, can do, do this, why can't? So what, why, why do we Sorry. wind ourselves up with what? But, you know, this serious adapting. But maybe we had that, again, Europe, we talk about it even now, you know, European. We played on rough golf courses, yeah. rough lies. You learned to bump and run out of a bit of sand, wet, muck on a ball, you know, all this sort of thing. So you had to learn to play some shots. We putted on greens that, you know, my goodness, like your granny's pudding was, you know, flatter than that. I mean, he, and you learned to read footprints. You knew it was hilarious. <laughs> you did. I, I won at, I won at um, God, uh, where was it? Uh, where were we? Moortown, Moortown up in yeah. Leeds, yeah. yeah, yeah. Never forget that. When the car care before, what course was that on the other side of whatever the... And I learned to read the footprints because we weren't allowed to play practice around. That's how wet it was. Oh, wow. And he had, and you look at the hill, well, if I knock it in the hill, I'll come out. <laughs> and that's, so um, yeah, I think all put all that together when you went to Augusta, we had a little bit of more of this. Yeah. Play some imaginary shots because you, you have to dream up shots in it. You know, you only get one go. It's like, hmm, seen this before, do a bit of this, bit of that. And um, so that was good for us. Yeah. Interesting. When we spent a little bit of time with uh, Les Better as well, and he, a few times he's sort of, he's done this when he's yeah. talk, talking about <laughs> feel, and it's, you know, that touch that, that you just, a lot of players back then necessarily. Yeah, it's a good architect's talk with their hands. Yeah, you yeah. Just, when you get a guy <laughs> describing the golf course, <laughs> if a guy's doing this, you like it. If a guy says, well, I'm going to build lots of humps and bumps, you go, <laughs> Oh, I don't see that. You've got to feel it, got to feel it, yeah. <laughs> and and, and with, with obviously Ledbetter, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, and it's, 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 I think it's really famous what you did. I think what you did has been really good for us yeah. as golf coaches, oh, yeah. and what Led has done has been very good for us as golf coaches. Why did you pick him? 
What was the... Yeah, it was funny. I, was, I talked to a few guys before that, and I saw David down in South Africa in the end of 84, down Sun City, and I said, hey, what do you, what do you think? And he, and he was kind of the first one when he said, rather than saying you do these six things wrong, if we do this thing right, that will get rid of the other five things. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Let's, let's do something correctly to, you know, you're, you're swinging through positions and some people will say, you know, Put it so there. it was yeah. learning to get, so okay, that made sense. And then we, um, gosh, and then it was, I didn't see him probably all the way through to, I was at Muirfield Village and I just missed the cut. And I said, all right, I'm ready. Chuck the book at me. What, what's, you know, what are we doing? And so he said, well, we've got to learn this new body rotation. Because I was, you know, I was taught, I had a big drag. And, you know, I was taught 70s, the top of the swing, legs. So I've got a leg action over here. And then, I, <laughs> and then I learned with my tempo to get the arms to it. And that's why I was good, because I had this big, I had great timing. I could click it. But then I wanted this, but that gave you that ball flight, didn't yeah. it? The low, high one. And that's no good when you're trying to, so we now, starting to want to descend it this way and so the body's got to do more we're going to cover the board if the arms are going to rotate differently because the old arms must have been going through like this so that's when you learn more rotation so that was gosh my drills were to point the club right behind me i mean literally over there we, the we still were still there you know yeah. it felt like that <laughs> and, then, and so everybody would be watching me going Mm. lost the plot you know that sort of thing so but somehow I kept grinding and um, then it finally clicked in spring spring of 87 it clicked and then it was like oh now I got the truster and then you kept fine-tuning it after that obviously but finally believed to get the club back onto the ball how did you go how I mean like you say it took a while how do you keep going through that and you've got to almost be impervious to everyone outside um, you, yeah you? yeah you're right I you know I I those were the dark days I I I, I guess my mum was probably the more determined one I, I thank <laughs> mum for that but I I somehow kept I never doubted it even though people were saying oh you should think of a new job <laughs> uh, I didn't I, but I didn't see the amazing I didn't see the light of the tunnel no. it's not like oh yeah the, the, I can it's see there. the light it's a long mm. it didn't feel like sometimes I was moving closer to anything so I was getting my head well and truly bashed in because I'd practice hard go to a tournament and you're four over after nine and you're gonna miss the cut and I felt so embarrassed because you know I just come up being European number one in 83 and here I am I can't hit my hat so it was like early days of appearance fees and you like felt bad for the sponsor and this sort of thing, and that I couldn't do my thing. Um, but somehow, I I would guess the one little thing I was given was determination. Mm -hmm. you know, I just kept at it and believed. I'd go out for runs, and I'd run up those bloody hills and believe in this is the 18th hole. One day I'm coming up the 18th hole to win again. But it didn't happen the next day. Yeah. I think that's the that was the the best lesson I can give kids is just it's not going to flip you can't flip the light switch in this game it, it you plow it on until finally you've you've done enough work in it and it really does happen and, and when was that satisfaction for you when was that realized was it when you no it, we really it, when I won in so when I, I so the week of the masters I went to Hattiesburg the opposite I wasn't yet I wasn't in the 87 masters okay. and I shall 467s that week and finished second and that was when it clicked 
finally I could hit this thing. And then I came back and I won the Spanish Open down in Spain, obviously. Um, it was Seve, he was in the field and all that. So, so I won that and that was, the, that was it. And the, funny, the amazing thing was I said to myself, oh, I need to, I need to win one more before the Open. And I said to myself, no, you're all right, you're going to win. So how about that? So that's your visualization. Did you feel that you were going to win it, yeah? I felt good. I didn't, yeah, I felt there was something in the air, put yeah. it that way. You know, when I was there, you know, I, I famously walked past, the, well, to me, I walked past the big yellow leaderboard and I saw Faldo at the top. You know, there's no name up there, obviously. And I just looked and I went, yeah, all right, I can handle that. And just kept walking. <laughs> so you're preparing yourself for all of that and, um, and then I was right in it, right from the first, right from the guy birdied the first three holes, and boom, and now I'm, I'm in it. So you're in it for 72 holes, mm -hmm. all of that. And then, um, and that's where the famous 18 pass came from, which yeah, is right the, which now I'm having fun with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it suddenly dawned on me there's a brand there, <laughs> so I'm having fun with 18 pass. <laughs> was it was it was it here as well that you did? Use, I don't know whether you you still like this, but was it you'd like to thank the press from the heart of your bottom? Well, that was 92. That was 92, was it? Okay. Now, if you if you <laughs> hear me, I, if you hear me, I stuttered or I, you know, you, there was a moment of. But I was being beaten up. Mm. I was reading headlines and then, you know, Fowler doesn't know what he's doing and blah, blah, blah. And I got everybody talking about me. I got, I had people writing to me, telling me I'm doing everything wrong, you know. <laughs> really? I had, had a submarine captain telling me I was reading the putts wrong. He <laughs> was an Irish submarine captain, so that was the interesting <laughs> bit. So, so, I, you know, I'd had it up to here. And, you know, that's, that was why, and the media were, you know, they picked me as the one to beat up. And it just kind of came out, because it was, a, there was a, if you watch it again, there's a pause, it's like, and it was like a moment, well, why not? And that's yes. why I said, well, I want to thank you all. <laughs> which, which everybody since they come up and said, that's the greatest bloody line ever. I got, I got more street cred out of that. You know, but it's interesting how the media would used to write really deep, hurtful stuff about me. And if I have a little dig like that, oh, can't handle it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. too much. So. Uh, hey, I, it's, that was part of that era, my goodness, you know, 70s and 80s, you look what Botham and those guys went through yeah. in that, I mean, it was, sure. we got beat up a, a lot in the, in the media. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. During the changes in terms of golf swing and stuff, how did you take that to the course? A lot of people struggle with technical changes yeah. listening to this. Did you, were you able to park that on the course or still feel it how would you, how would no, you approach well I it? would say no to start off with I mean it was you you've got so much going on and you're trying to feel new feelings you go on the golf course and you can't cannot find or get those feelings and the ball goes off like this and so no for a long time I, I suffer from exact but even on the range it probably wasn't great it was like you're going onto the golf course with another new yeah. Blooming, you know, bag of tricks. And it was then, as I said, it was, it was finally, it must have been the odd decent week here and there, but it was finally when it clicked, when, you know, I love to then fade the ball. It's funny, you need to find the way your body likes to move out the way, rotate, and that obviously influences your way more comfortable with your arms going through like this rather than some guys are so happy you're going this way. So once you've you know, I must have hit 10 million phased with this finish. So then you eventually, just your golfing DNA, isn't mm -hmm. it? So then you start can, so I, you know, I'd have to say it wasn't until 
87 when you when you finally go okay um then you then you enjoy then it's fun i mean yeah, golf yeah. is great when you know you're going to golf mm -hmm. course and you've got the game of golf yeah. like that for a while that is great when you look at a golf course and you luckily i said it internally because you know, <laughs> you know when i went to st andrews in 90 the way the course was playing the weather and i said you know par was 67 for me Luckily, I didn't blurt it out. <laughs> Otherwise, you get who, who would even yeah, say, who would like say that now? Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, but that's what you've got to feel inside, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to look at that and go, mm, "I do everything right here. I can shoot 67." And that was my goal that week, and that's and that's why I reacted on that chip shot on eight, on, on 18 because I came there, big leaderboard, and I'm three under, so I'm off I'm off schedule. And so when I chipped that thing in, it was okay. that's why I had that, that crazy. I had the crazy Thursday yeah, reaction, yeah. like, what's he doing? It's, th <laughs> it's Thursday, what's he getting all excited? So that's why it was like, yeah, I'm back. I'm, it, so that's how, it, how much it kind of meant to me to get on that, on track of, I've set that as a goal, and I finally got to the goal, you know. Yeah. And would you do that often in terms of like a round? Would you go, right, okay, I want to shoot 66 today, or even let's say on a Sunday, would you go and go, right, I need to shoot 600 today? Yeah, that's funny, I've, I've, I've bounced around between, you know, it's the cliche, one hole at a time. Yeah. And you, if you've given 100%, I think that's the trick. If you can know you've given 100%, what else can you do? Because people, um, you know, so every single hole you stand up on the tee and go, well, so what do I want? Well, I want a birdie this one. So how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to knock it there, knock it there. Don't, well, it might not happen quite like that, obviously, but that's your intention time after time after time. And then I've, then I've done other things. Funny enough, I, I wonder how. I looked at the... I must have got the the glossy magazine, and I went, and I thought, hmm, fifteen under will win this every year. It's fifteen under wins it. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's four sixty-eight, sixteen under. So I thought, I'm going to shoot sixteen under. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm coming down the last sixteen under, leading, and I knocked in the bloody pond. <laughs> so, but it's interesting. It's like you've got to. It's another, and it's, I've said to myself, I'm going to win this one by five. So if you're leading by two, it's like, well, that's not my goal. Mm -hmm. Keep pushing. Mm -hmm. I said I'm going to lead by five. Well, and then you say, well, guess what? That means you've got to be leading by five. You're like, do and you <laughs> And you keep pushing yourself to get to whatever you've set as a goal. And I think, I guess that's another skill. It's, you know, it's, um, it's a mixture of determination, isn't it? And, and self-hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And that's all, you know, you've set a goal. I'm going to keep pushing myself to that goal. Um, so that I've, I've done things that I'm pretending I've, I've pretended I've were at another tournament when I'm playing to, to ramp me up even more. You know, as many times you look at a hole and you go, this is the ugliest hole in the world. But you know, you're in the middle of the tournament, you're doing all right. So you go, okay, so put your mind somewhere else. Oh, well, that five iron shot to that green somewhere else is always oh, fantastic. So I could, I had that ability to stand there and go, I'm somewhere else because I'm looking at the ugliest bloody second shot in the world in front of me. I'm like, oh, it looks like a cow field out there. And then I suddenly go, oh, I pretend I'm somewhere else. Oh, it's this and that. And, and then, you, then you, get, you get up and you nail it and poof. So I, and that was all self-taught. Yeah. You know, going back to dear old Welling Garden, you know, where I, I played a thousand and one rounds a year. You know, I played minimum of 27 holes every day. So more than likely 36. So you get pretty bored. No, that's not the right word because I've never been bored at golf. Which is so you, there'd, there'd be days where like, well, okay, give me a bit of oomph. So I had to pretend that oh, there's a pond on this hole and there's out of bounds here to to sharpen up my 
you know, my goals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, and I used to play holes what I called backwards. Like if it was a drive and a seven iron, I'd hit the seven iron off the tee first. Yeah, right. And now I'm way back and I go, how do I get this three wood on the green? So just to make the golf course different, I did so many tricks that. like that. Love that. And then I played my imaginary friends, which were, you know, Jack and Arnold and Gary and Lee <laughs> and Johnny and, and Weisskopf, you know, because uh, I'd watched them at Troon, 73, and I came back and I had this way of mimic, mimicking their idiosyncrasies. And mm -hmm. even though I asked my mates, I go, this is my <laughs> Jack swing. And I go, no. can't see the difference. <laughs> Nothing like, like it. And I'm like, you're going to be kidding. This is my Lee Venus winner. Nah, I can't see it. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not going to ask you again. So it's like, so I, I that was all self-taught, really. So, and so, because 30 years later, you get, I got a great friend of sports psychologist, you know, Shell Enhager of Sweden. And because you go, well, that's what I did on the range, I think was a blessing. Because my little range was, was one green, one bunk, and one flag. And so I actually hit, by no choice, every shot, my first goal was get it over that bunker and stop it before the flag. So every single shot went at a, at, at a target, at a flag. So there was no 200 yard range with 50 flags out there. I had one, so I, I deem, I think that was really fortunate mm. because every shot was targeted, whether it was, a, whether it was my seven iron or this super slow mode two iron, it still had the same intention go in at a target. So that, they said, well, that's targeting. And then that visualize, as I talked about that visualization on the golf course, and then visualizing I'm somebody else. So if I'm Jack, and I'm on the 10th at Welling Garden, and I'm trying to hit a three wood into that green, well, of course Jack's gonna hit a three wood on the green, isn't it? You go into it, well, I'm Jack, I'm gonna hit a three wood. <laughs> if you go into view and you go, oh, bloody hell, there's a hedge there, <laughs> and don't hit that poplar tree. You know, but if, if I'm Jack, well, of course I'm gonna, Jack's gonna hit a lovely fade. And so you see what it's doing to you. And, and, um, and, I've, and I prove that in my clinics. For fun, I, I get, um, well, my, my best story was, uh, I, was in, uh, I went to open my course in Vietnam one time. I had to go out and play with the members. And this lady said, I'm not gonna play, I'm too nervous. I said, I've got an idea for you. So I put two balls on the tee. I said, I'm gonna walk in. You're gonna stand here and watch me. I'm gonna walk in, I'm gonna hit my drive. I'm not gonna say a word and I will walk out, and all I want you to do is to soak up my swing in your mind. And I want you to walk in and step in my ghost and swing like me, right? So I hit it, walked, and she walked in, and it's funny, because her swing was still like this, but boop, a little 150 yarder down the first. We'd do that again. So we did it again and again. I got her on the green in three, and she, she took a five, and her husband took an eight. <laughs> so she, but you know, it's, it's, I call it stepping into the ghost. Mm. And it's unbelievable what you can do if you believe you're somebody else, which is again, a lot of sports psychology will be, you know, basketball. You know, if you, if you pretend you're your hero, you'll be a lot better. If you're feeling lousy on a day, pretend you're somebody else. I, I played like that, um, Beth Page Black, I, I pretended mm -hmm. I was Tiger. I mean, cause Tiger was just striping it, yeah. wasn't he? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, just <laughs> pretend you're Tiger. I Stand up and swing, hold the finish, didn't look anything like him, I'm sure. <laughs> but I went into every shot. Well, what would Tiger do? Well, Tiger would hit it 10 feet right at the flag. Not what, not what would Fowler do? Oh, cripes, bunkers <laughs> hit every. He goes, no, Tiger would hit it 10 feet right at the flag. So I'm Tiger. So I do that for fun in my clinic sort of thing, but it is amazingly powerful that. As mm -hmm. I say, if you can't do it, 
you never have and you never will, <laughs> get somebody else to do it for you. And it's kind of, it's a good little philosophy, isn't love it? Love it, love it, so I, simple. I think, it's a, I think it's amazing just listening to you, Nick, as well, just, just to understand what is behind the golfer, because a lot of people just think that the, the secret's in the swing. Oh and, my goodness. And, and when, we, when we listen to you, it's just so powerful how much First of all, determination, how yeah. clear your intention was, the goals that you had, your work ethic, the visualization. Yeah, all that, yeah. There's, there's so much that's behind just what mm. we see as a goal. Well, it's exactly, you, you watch the guys on the range and they say, oh, he's hitting it great. And you know, I know, well, no, it's, you've got to hit it great. Well, the biggest test is Sunday afternoon. We, we, we were at St. George's the other day on the Wednesday, weren't we? We were on the, tea, on the practice tee with Aaron and we said, actually, I kind of think all these guys are wasting yeah, their time, it. especially that golf course with the fairways like that. Oh, yeah. They're actually wasting their time out here almost. Ber Bergdahl yesterday, we stood on the range at Bergdahl, <laughs> and we're looking at Bergdahl, and it's like 100 yards wide. I said, The range, yeah. This is the worst practice that we can well, have go. before we go out there. We yeah, got, right. And it's just, it was just so far removed got, from what we You've got no focus. Exactly. It's a good point, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, it's so funny. I watch the guys on the range at, at St. George's, and I know I've done it, but the range is dead flat. Mm. There's not a single, perfect, not perfect, a perfect, flat perfect. flat. It's spirit yeah, level yeah. flat, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's not a single flat lie on that golf course. <laughs> exactly. Not even close. Some of them are brutal. Yeah. And you know, as we know, especially as you get older, oh my God, the hips won't get out of the way the same. And I see it when I do my commentary. The guys come up the 18th of Augusta, and that's got there's nine degrees of slope there, and because the legs won't work the same, and they all block it in the right mm. trap. And I can literally call, call the shots. You can literally call it. I see a practice swing and I go, hmm, right bunkers. And I look, you know, <laughs> but they're all going, where did that come from? But, you know, you're right. That's why, you know, if you can, you, you want to do all your practice on the golf course as much as possible. Mm. You know, because sometimes you stand on a flat range. I agree with that. Is yeah. Yeah, if, you had, if I had to do things, if I had to do it all again, you know, I did a reasonable job at that. You know, I used to hit it down, hopefully drive it down the fairway. If the pin was in practice, if the pin was on the left, I'd kick it in the left rough. Well, now I'm in a completely different situation. How do I get this thing on the green? You know, and then you... I wish I played all my pro-ams that way. Yeah. Seriously, I wish I stood on the tee and go, where's the rotten spot here? Right rough, all right, I'll whack it in the right rough. Probably worn out. Maybe do it for nine holes, could be worn out. But I wish I did that intentionally now. You miss greens intentionally in yeah. pro-ams because you, you know. But we used to have a scorecard in pro-ams in the old days. So they'd think, and they used to, and they used to make the paper the next day. Oh, we just shot 76 in the pro-am. You know, and you're you like, oh, no God. So it didn't, you know, <laughs> and so it didn't work. So he's like, oh, he's still got to make a score because he's, he's playing crap, you know. So, but I wish now I should have said to him, I'm DQ'd, I've got 19 clubs in the bag, DQ me <laughs> on the first tee, right, and let's just go and play now. I'm playing for the team. That's yeah. what you should do. I'm, I'm announcing I'm just playing for the team, not an individual score, and then, and then and practice. I mean, all your golf you played was always practice, was mm -hmm. always practicing. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah. haven't played, you never That's played it. fun golf because mm -hmm. you were always constantly thinking about what's coming up next, what you're preparing for next. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Brilliant. Do you know what? So Nick, thank you so much for your time. I, mean, I sure. hope we could, we could have has he got to go? Three hours, three hours more. Has he got to go? Do, but there's, lots, there's lots we can talk about. <laughs> just we got to, just got to chapter one. No, no, this, yeah. this is definitely <laughs> chapter one, chapter one. Thank you so much. Obviously, sure, guys. um for, for anyone sort of listening to this, watching this, obviously you can follow you on your social channels and yeah. there's some stuff going yeah. on there. There's a Faldo formula, there's there's loads of I mean there's got so many things that you're doing. Instruction out there, which is fun. I'm enjoying making that. Brilliant. You know, I I go and play courses and 
which I think is different. No, there's not many. We just did we just did a few holes at Royal St George's. I mean, nobody's actually gone out there pro and actually given lessons on how to play yeah, a links. Yeah, That's yeah, because yeah. it's different. Absolutely. You know? So yeah. I'm enjoying that. I still like doing that. Mm. I'm not. I can't do a scorecard in the hand anymore. <laughs> but I, I like belting balls and yeah. rattling away. Uh, do you know? What? I, th I think that the fact that you've shared so much with us today just shows you how much sure. how important you are for this game. And please continue to do that. And we'll sure, be, uh, enjoy that. Yeah, we'll thanks. Be looking forward to continuing to do some of you in the future. Yeah, thanks right, so cool. much. It's definitely been a privilege hey, for us. So cheers, guys. Much. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you found some great value in it. And if you did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, let us know your feedback by leaving us a rating or review over on iTunes. And remember, if you want to go deeper and really improve your game, head over to meandmygolf.com and start your free trial and check out one of the many plans that are seeing incredible results. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to speaking to you next week.